first this morning, and we'll be up putting a lot of scriptures on the wall, and I don't know how this is all going to go. I tell you, I've got, it, I can just tell you right off the bat, it'll take tonight, today and tonight at least, what I'm going to do this morning. But I've been wanting to get this thing settled for a while. This morning we talked about the rapture of the church. We taught on the rapture of the church, and that is that time in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when uh, we're, this is, in case you're not familiar with this, this is called a timeline, okay? It, God dwells in eternity, but God has created time and he's placed it into eternity. This would represent creation, Genesis 1. And so you're going through the Old Testament period and you come to Christ. That's about 4,000 years time period here. About 2,000 years from the cross when Jesus died to the time period where you and I are at. You and I in time, I, I believe without a doubt, are at the time of the closing of the church age just before the second coming of Jesus Christ. I don't believe there's any doubt about it. I don't know when he's coming exactly, but he's coming. You mark that down. And I believe the Bible teaches that after he takes the church out, there will be a time in the Bible which speaks of, especially in the Old Testament, called the time of Jacob's trouble. It is primarily an Old Testament doctrine that's prophesied to the future. It has to do with Israel. This has to do with the church. Back in the Old Testament, it was Israel. They were set aside their unbelief of Jesus Christ spiritually and judicially. And, and when the church is taken out, Israel will be reinstalled into spiritual privilege. At the end of that tribulation period, Christ is coming back in power and in glory. And he's going to destroy the armies that are encircled around Jerusalem. We'll be getting into some of these passages of Scripture. But I want to do a full view first. <clears throat> he comes back in power and glory. He will rule and reign on this earth with a rod of iron for 1,000 years. That's Revelation chapter 20. At the end of that time, Satan will be loosed. During that time, Satan will be bound in the bottomless pit for 1,000 years. At the end of this time, he'll be loosed for a little season. And there's a reason for that. And you have to get into dispensations and the depravity of man to understand this. But we're not going to cover that today, but just the Bible says it's going to happen. And he'll be thrown into the lake of fire. And then there's going to be what's called the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is for lost people only. Amen. Those that are in hell, they'll be resurrected and brought before the great white throne. The Bible said it, the heaven and earth fled away. There's no place found for them. And they were judged according to their works. It's not judged as to whether they're saved or lost. It's a judgment. See, a just judge will tell you why you're going to prison. He don't just grab you and throw you in prison. They set the case before you. And at the great white throne judgment, as a lost person, you will be uh, uh, judged according to your works. You see, you're not saved by works. You're saved by grace. And the judgment of Christians is, 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 accord, is about your works, but it's according to your works as a Christian. But it's not the determination of your salvation. Right. It's the determination of your status as you go into eternity. So you have the great white throne judgment, and then you have the new heaven, chapter 21, and the new earth, chapter 21 to 22, and then eternity, the eternal kingdom. Now I'm going to throw something at you real quick. This is more of a teaching message, an edifying message, an encouragement, but to be aware of what's going on and what will be going on. The, the Bible literally talks about this as a day. Now, do you ever think about this? When you come to in the Bible and he introduces the new heaven and earth, it says there shall be no night there twice. If you don't have a night, what have you got? You have an eternal day. There'll be no night. 
In the Old Testament, we're getting ready to look at passages of Scripture that talk about the day of the Lord. Yeah. Now, let me tell you one of the reasons, and we're going to take, I want you to take your Bibles right now and go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. One of the reasons I'm going to teach on this this morning, and I want to clarify something, and it bothered me for a long time, until I opened my Bible up and got my concordance, and I started studying and looking up every reference there was in the Bible on this. And eventually the Holy Spirit cleared it up and the fog was gone. And now I see it clearly. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I want to show you something now because you go out here. Now we talk about the rapture of the church. <clears throat> there are three basic ideas among Christians about the rapture of the church. One of them is, it's called pre-tribulational rapture. That's what I believe the Bible teaches. I don't believe it because I want to teach it or my mama said that or some preacher said that. I believe it because after studying scripture, I believe that's the most accurate representation of that. It's called pre-tribulation. That means before the tribulation will be taken out. Pre-millennial, before the millennial, before the tribulation, before the millennial will be taken out as the bride of Christ. Meet him in the air. We talked about in Bible class this morning about that. Now, there are others who believe that the church is going to go halfway through the tribulation. This is called mid-trib rapture. There's people that believe that. I'm going to show you why they believe that. Then there's people that believe in post-rapture. They believe that post-tribulation rapture. They believe that You'll be taken out after the rapture. And there's some people who don't believe in the rapture at all. So anyway, but the Bible teaches it. It clearly teaches it in those passages of scriptures. So uh, we'll start looking at this thing. Now, you say, Reggie, why is this important? Because it stirs people up and it can give you uh, uh, some problems. Yeah. If you believe that, see, when you go into 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and it's the last thing it says after it describes this event about meeting him in the air, it says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Then it goes ahead, and as you're moving through the rest of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, it talks about this emphatically. For we're not appointed to wrath. Amen. You're not appointed to wrath. You're not appointed to wrath. Amen. God's wrath is going to be, is, is right in here, Amen. poured out upon this earth. God says you're not appointed to that. That's one of the reasons among many that I do not believe in a mid or post-tribulational rapture of the church. Amen. <clears throat> One of the second reasons is, we'll talk about this, is that this is the time of Jacob's trouble, and it's also called the 70th week of Daniel. It's about this, its primary focus is on the regathering of the people of Israel and their restoration and their birth in, and their, their faith in Jesus Christ. At the end of the tribulation, when he comes back, the Bible says that everybody, everybody will see him coming. There won't be secret like the rapture. And they'll see, look upon him whom they've pierced. The Old Testament teaches that the Jewish nation will see that they rejected Jesus Christ back here. And by the way, Romans tells you that that was part of God's sovereign plan so that you and I could be grafted in yeah. spiritual privilege. These things are, are deep. These are the mind of God things that you, you can't wrap it around your mind. It's things that God has ordained that you have to accept by faith. But after the, after the church is taken out, Israel is going to return to the scene. And by the way, Israel will rule the nations during the millennial reign. I don't know if you know that or not. But we're, we're going to take off now. In 2 Thessalonians, it says in verse number, chapter number 2 and verse number 1. Now, in chapter 1, verse number 5 through 10, it talks about this event right here where Jesus comes back in power and glory, fire, vengeance, and judgment upon the earth. Not the rapture, but that. That's chapter 1, verse 5 through 10. When you get to chapter 2, it takes off talking about a man of sin, the Antichrist. All right? Now, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ 
and by our gathering together unto him that ye, watch this, be not soon shaken in mind. Oh man, I want to preach on that. Yeah. We're living in a nation of people shaking minds. Yeah. I mean, it's instability. And it's, the reason is we don't have the word of God locked down with solid faith. Believe the word of God against all odds. You don't have to be shaken in mind or troubled. Now you listen to me. If I thought that I was going to go into the tribulation period and I was going to have to have my head cut off for not taking the mark of the beast, I'd be a little shaken and I'd be a little troubled. Yeah. And by the way, if you're listening to me and lost, this is not a game. If Christ comes while I'm preaching today and you're left behind, you're going to enter into the time the Bible says has never been before on this earth and will not be after of trouble. You will die. You will have to die and be beheaded for your faith. If you don't take the mark of the beast during this time of tribulation, if you don't take it, you'll be killed. You can't buy or sell. You can't buy your kids food. You can't take them to the dentist. You can't do nothing. You can't buy gas without the mark of the beast. And if you don't think things are setting up for this global system of government and what we've got going on now, you ain't paying attention. Everything's coming together now. I'm telling you it is. Anyway, he said there, be not troubled, neither, watch this, by spirit nor by word. See, these people have been told that, that they're getting ready to face the Antichrist and, and stuff. He said, nor by letter as from us. He said, somebody wrote, somebody had written this church a letter and, and flipped everything Paul had been teaching them. Yeah. And said, Paul's wrong and you're all going to see the Antichrist and go through the tribulation. He said, as from us, that as that the day of Christ is at hand. Now watch this. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day. What day does he say there? Day of Christ shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now hang on to your hats. Keep your head on top of your shoulders here and your mind straight. Do you realize that he just got through saying that the day of Christ will not come except number one, there'll be a falling away first and second, the Antichrist be revealed. Amen. This is where people get the idea that the church will not be raptured out until they're in the tribulation where the man of sin, man of sins on the scene. The whole key rests on this phrase day of Christ. When is the day of Christ? The reason people make that out to be, to teach you, and I'm telling you now, there's all kinds of videos, all kinds of churches believe this, and they believe it on this text right here, and here's how they make it work. They make the day of Christ out to be the rapture of the church, and it is not. There's not one shred of evidence in your Bible that the day of Christ means the rapture of the church. And if you can get that straight in your head, you'll never get fooled by those people. We say, Reggie, when is the day of Christ? We're going to look at it because it's in the Bible. We'll let the Bible tell us when the day of Christ is. It's, it's fun. It's, it's a blast. So here we go. To, to start with, now remember this. The Old Testament is your foundation. There's hardly anything that's said in the New Testament that wasn't said in the Old Testament. And if you want to start, you've got to start at first mention. You've got to start with the base foundation. So what we're looking at today is there's two things you're going to see in the New Testament concerning prophecy of the second coming of Christ. You're going to see the phrase day of Christ and you're going to see the day of the Lord. And so what people have done, they know the day of the Lord in the Old Testament speaks of the tribulation period. Well, they come in here. Now watch this. I have a Schofield Bible. Now don't, don't get mad at me. It's an authorized King James Bible. It just has Schofield notes. And Schofield, you know, he's a pretty smart old cookie, but I'll tell you, he's an unbeliever. He don't believe in creation. 
I'm telling you, it's bad. When you come to this verse, did you know what his notes say? They, he says, it is forever to be, to be grieved, something along this line, that they, the translators put day of Christ here and it should have been day of the Lord. Now, why would he even mess with that? Why? Because he knows that the day of the Lord is right here. And this, if, and he believes that the day of the uh, day of Christ is the rapture. So if the day of Christ is the rapture, that's putting the rapture inside the tribulation. So what does he do? Listen to me. He changes the Bible to fit his preconceived theology. That's where you get, I mean, messed up. And if you ever start that, there's no ending. But the Holy Ghost will show us what it is. Now, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to preach, and then I'm going to preach it, and then I'm going to tell you what I preached. Okay? The day of Christ in your Bible and the day of the Lord is the same time period. Number one, be sure you understand the day of Christ nowhere in your Bible teaches is the rapture of the church. There's not one shred of scripture anywhere. They're the same time period. And he'll show you that. But you say, when is it? The day of Christ starts when the Antichrist is revealed after the church is taken out. Yeah. Revelation chapter 6, verse number 15 through 17, it tells you exactly when. And that's what matches 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 when it says, except the men of sin be revealed. The book of Revelation is the book that reveals, Revelation reveals. All right? Why, watch this. Why does Satan attack the word, all, all your new Bibles, all your fancy theologians want to change 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, which is real critical about the day you and I live in, because it's at the point of the Antichrist coming, the church going out. To, why do they want to change that? Yes. To attack the Word of God. Right. To undermine the Word of God. You see, let me tell you about undermining the Word of God. It doesn't happen in one generation. What your grandpa believed, mom and don't believe, and I don't believe nothing. Right. And you, it's like termites eating away underneath your house. And all of a sudden, we walk in, the place falls in on you. You ain't got anything. The day of Christ and the day of the Lord are the same time periods, but, they, but, but watch this here. In the Old Testament, it never says day of Christ. It says always day of the Lord. You get in the New Testament, both terms are used. What's the Holy Ghost trying to tell you? Think with me. Why would the Holy Ghost start using Christ and synonymous with day of Lord, day of Christ with day of Lord? to prove to you the deity of Jesus Christ, that he is almighty God. He's the God of the Old Testament. Watch this. When you change that, you have attacked the deity of Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost is telling you that the day of the Lord, the Lord that's given you in the Old Testament, the great I am and Jesus, did he not go through the book of John saying, I am this and I am that and I am this and I am that. He's the great I am. Moses said, who shall I say sent me? You tell him I am that I am sent thee. Any, all these guys know that the day of the Lord is talking about God Almighty. Jesus Christ is the Lord. 
And there's a reason the Holy Ghost is to protect the deity of Jesus Christ and the Godhead of Christ, that he is God all through the Bible. Now, this may not mean much to you, and I'll tell you why, because most of us just have a simple faith. But what's happening is coming out of our college, Bible colleges and the theology areas, they're, put, they're pouring in this stuff into our churches. And eventually what's going to happen to America, we're going to deny the deity of Jesus Christ because they're taking it out of your Bible. Now, let's move on. So let's take off. We're going to do Isaiah chapter 2, verse number 10. Isaiah chapter 2, verse number 10. Enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord, for the glory of his majesty. Anybody know where that, let's do some, let's, we're going to have a good time. Anybody know where anything like that's at? Enter into the rock. Hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord, for the glory of his majesty. Revelation chapter 6, the first chapter of the great tribulation tells us that men will hide themselves in the rocks and dens and caves of the earth because of the fear of the Lord, because he's coming in wrath and power. This is a matching scripture to Revelation chapter 19. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled and the audience of man shall be bowed down. The Lord alone shall be exalted in what? That day, the day of the Lord. Now he says for that, where it is folks, the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty upon everyone that is lifted up and he should be brought low. Cedars of Lebanon that are high and lifted upon the oaks of Bashan, upon the high mountains and upon the hills that are lifted up. Every high tower. And he talks, he keeps going there. And the loftiness of man shall be bowed down and the haughtiness of men shall be made low. And the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. What day? The day of the Lord. Amen. I'm telling you something. Satan may have his day, yeah. but God's going to have his day. Amen. And what, so remember this. So let's go, to, real quick, I want you to go to, um, well, we're in Isaiah chapter two, verse 10. Have we got, let's go up to 20, uh, look, look at verse number 19. And they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for the fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. In that day, a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which are made from one, one for himself to worship to the moles and to the bats. Where do you find bats at? In case this matches Revelation chapter six, he's telling you exactly what's going to happen to mankind. I'm going to tell you some entire cities will be blown out of the water. People won't have any place to live. You're talking about the worst time you've ever seen on the face of this earth. And people are saying, hide us from the wrath of the lamb. Look at verse 21, to go into the clefts of the rock and into the tops of the racket rocks for the fear of the Lord, for the glory of his majesty when he arises to take terribly the earth. Let's go now to Isaiah chapter 13. Isaiah chapter 13. By the way, let's just do it real quick. Take your Bible, flip into, keep your Bible open to Revelation. Revelation chapter 6. Now, Revelation chapter 6 is the first chapter that you're, you're hitting into the uh, tribulation period. Oh, my land. I get so much on my mind. I can't hardly, there's so much to, but Revelation 6 through 18 is the tribulation period. Amen. That's when it's, that 6 will start. Look at 6. I want you to notice something. Now, how many know the Antichrist is going to be an imitator of the real Christ? Yes. Oh, let me tell you what scares me to death. Paul said in the epistles that there'd come a time they preached another Christ, yes. another spirit, yes. and another gospel. You're seeing it. Yeah. The Jesus that is preached in this country right now, I'm telling you what, he is, they say nothing about this Jesus coming with wrath and power. They say nothing about a Jesus that will throw you into hell. They say nothing about Jesus who is going to be, you got to bow your knee and confess with your mouth that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's all a fixer. He's all prosperity. He's all health. He's all good old boy. 
Yeah. Yeah. He's not a God of wrath. He's not a God of holiness. He's not a God of righteousness. All it is is a ticket out of hell and you go live like you want to. It's a false Jesus, a false spirit, and a false gospel in this country. But I want you to notice something. We start the tribulation period in Revelation chapter 6. Look at verse number 2. And I saw and behold, what? A white horse. Satan is going to come on a white horse. He's going to imitate Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. The way I see it right now with all these fake Bibles and this fake Jesus, this fake gospel and fake church, they're going to swallow him so fast make your head swim. They're going to think he's Christ. And he said, behold, a white horse and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given him and he went forth conquering and to conquer. That's the entrance of the Antichrist in the tribulation period. Second Thessalonians chapter two tells you that the, that the, uh, that the, it'll not happen till the son, that the man of sin has been revealed. The day of the Lord will not cut day of Christ till he's been revealed. Look at verse number 16. Verse 15, kings of the earth and the great men, rich men, the chief captains, mighty men, every bondsman, every free man hid themselves where? In the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. That's Isaiah chapter 10 prophecy. And said to the mountains, rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. Not from the face of him that sat on that first white horse, from the Lord Jesus Christ, because he's coming and he said, sitteth on the throne from the wrath of the lamb. Watch this, for the great day, the great day of his wrath, is come and who shall be able to stand? Now I'm going to tell you something that's coming. It's called the day of the Lord. And he's coming in judgment and in power to rule and to reign and destroy his enemies. God's going to wipe every enemy of his off the face of this earth. You can mark it down. I'm telling you, every knee shall bow to Jesus, not Muhammad, not the Buddha, not nobody else. And people aren't taking this serious. Is Jesus loving? Yes. He can give his life for you. Is he kind? Yes, he is. He'll forgive you and brace you and give you a home in heaven. But if you reject Jesus Christ, buddy, you are in trouble like you can't even imagine in your mind. Can you imagine being so scared and so feared of the wrath of God that you're looking for a hole to climb into like a groundhog does when a truck comes down the road? Listen, it's not serious. There, there's something happening inside of me. My mama's down there. I don't know if she'll be alive when I get home today. But I tell you what, I couldn't get loose. The God said, you go preach. You let me take care of your mother. Amen. You got brothers that are there. And I, went to, I don't know who's listening, but I'm telling you right now, if ever there's been a time that we're approaching the second coming of Christ and you're piddling around with your soul and you're jacking around with Jesus Christ like he's somebody you can pick and choose when you want to, you're crazy. I am telling you something right now. It's not a funny thing for somebody to bust. If my mama was lost this morning, I'll tell you, I would not be at church. I'd be down there trying to wake my mama up and say, mama, listen to me. Mama, mama, listen to me. Open your eyes. Mama, hear me. But I'm telling you, I'm glad to say my mama knew Jesus. She's the one that told me about him. Amen. And I'm telling you, it's the only thing that matter at this time whether you know the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Isaiah chapter 13, verse number six. How ye for the day of the Lord, there it is, see this Old Testament passage, is at hand, it shall come as destruction from who? The Almighty. Go to verse number nine. Behold, the day of the Lord, there it is again, cometh cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. Verse number 13. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. Do you know what? When's the last time you heard a TV evangelist preach on this? 
There's nobody preaching about the fierce anger of the Lord God Almighty against unrepentant sinners. I'm telling you this morning, I'm not up here on a high horse. I'm not trying to be smart. I'm not trying to be cocky. I'm a call, God called preacher of this book and I'm giving you warning that you better repent of your sin. You better believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You better not put this off because I'm telling you a moment in the twinkling of an eye, a twinkling of an eye is faster than you can calculate. He's coming that fast to take us out of here. I want to tell you, he's gone. I'm telling you this thing that right here, the day of the Lord, the quick as that happens, the Antichrist is going to be revealed and the day of the Lord starts. There's another reason it's called the day of Christ in the New Testament because for us, it's not judgment. For us, it's glory. It's the day of Christ, the Messiah. But at the same time period for those on the earth, it's judgment. It's wrath. It's blood. It's hellfire and brimstone. That's why he calls it two different things in the same time period. Because for people that are saved, it's a, it's a day of joy, victory, ruling and reigning with Christ. But for those that are lost, the day of the Lord is the, for the world. It is judgment. It's wrath. It's vengeance of God upon this. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. We've lost our concept of God because we're not reading our Bibles. We're very selective about the Jesus we want to know about and embrace. Go to Isaiah chapter uh, 63, if you will. Isaiah 63. And I'd encourage you to write these verses down. Verses number four through six. For the day of vengeance is in my heart and the year of my redeemed has come. And I looked and there was none to help and I wondered there was none to uphold. Therefore mine own arm brought salvation to me and my fury it held up, up, upheld me. And I will tread down the people in mine anger and make them drink in my fury and I will bring down their strength to the earth. Isaiah 61 verse number two. Isaiah 61 verse number two. To, here's what Jesus quoted this in the New Testament except he left out the word to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance. This, this here is the day of the acceptable year of the Lord. This here is the day of vengeance. The day, keep in mind, we're talking about the day of the Lord. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 46. Jeremiah chapter 46. For this is the, there it is again, the day of the Lord. Now here's what I'm telling you something. I didn't come in reading somebody else's message. I've studied and studied and studied and looked up every verse in the Bible on this subject and I know what I'm talking about today. This, this is a big subject with God. It's God's day and it's not a light thing. So I'm not just shooting off the side of my hip a little bit. I'm telling you, I want you to see these verses. The day of the Lord of hosts, a day of vengeance, that he may avenge him of his adversaries. And the sword shall devour, and it shall be satiated and made drunk with their blood. Go to verse number 21. And as her hired men in the midst of her like fatted bullocks, they all turned back and are fled away. They did not stand because of the day of their calamity was come upon them and the time of their visitation. And boy, I tell you, there's a lot of stuff in here, but I'm just trying to stay with the subject. Look, go to chapter 46 and verse number 28. Chapter 46 and verse number 28. Fear thou not, O Jacob, my servant, saith the Lord. And talking about Israel. For I am with thee. I'll make a full end. Watch. I want everybody to get this. Everybody get this. You, you, you came to church today and you ain't got nothing out of the church service. You better get this. You watching your news? You seen what's going on with this hate Israel all over the globe? You watch this. You want to know why I stand by Israel? Fear thou not, O Jacob, my servant. That's Israel. Yeah. Saith the Lord. For I am with thee. I don't want to be against somebody God's with. 
For I will make a full end of all the nations whither I have driven thee. Did you know that includes the United States? But I will not make a full end of thee. God says, I'll correct you in measure. Yet I will not leave the holy unpunished. But he said, I'll never make a full Israel is an eternal nation. And there's a reason for all that. Let's go for Now, I just threw that verse in for fun. Lamentations 2.22. And guys, you can keep moving ahead of me if you want to. Thou hast called us a solemn day of my terrors around about so that in the day of the Lord's anger, none escaped or remained. Those that have swaddled and brought up with mine enemy consumed. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 7, verse number 19. And they shall cast their silver in the streets and their gold shall be removed. Their silver and gold shall not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. They shall not satisfy their souls, neither shall they fill their bowls, bowels, because they're a stumbling block of their iniquity. Go to Ezekiel 13, verse number five. You have not gone up in the gaps, neither have made up the hedge of the house of Israel, stand the battle in when? The day of the Lord. God, this is prophesied all the way through. Go to chapter 30, verse number one through three. The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, Son of man, prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Wow ye, woe worth the day, for the day is near. Even the day of the Lord is near. A cloudy day. It shall be a time of the heathen. And he talks about his sword coming up. Go to Joel chapter one, verse number 15. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord, there it is again, is at hand. As a destruction from the Almighty, it shall come. Go to uh, Joel chapter 2, verse number 1. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord cometh. For it is nigh at hand. Now look at this. Verse number two. A day of darkness and gloominess. A day of clouds and of thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people is strong. There hath not ever been, been ever the like neither shall there be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. If you want to go to verse number 10 in that same chapter. The earth shall quake before them, the heavens shall tremble, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. He shall, uh, the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, and his camp is very great, for he is strong that executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? Go to verse 31, and we'll finish out of Joel there, chapter 2. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And I'm just telling you something. I don't mean to be mean to nobody. There's a book been put out by probably one of the most famous preachers in America on the moon bloods. And it was a joke and a fake, and you know now he's not promoting it. Amen. I hate to tell you this, folks, if you don't stay at the Bible, them hucksters will get you every time. And they'll use Scripture to do it. Joel chapter 3, verse 14. If you notice, we had a blood moon not too long ago. None of them was peeping. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon shall be dark and the stars shall withdraw their shining. We're talking about this time of tribulation after Christ is taking the church out. We're talking about what's going to happen on this earth afterward. Uh, did we get verse number 18? Let's get number 18. And it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down new wine, the hills shall flow with milk, and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters, and the fountain shall come forth, the house Lord shall water the valley. You say, Reggie, why did you put that in there? Because the day of the Lord is not just the tribulation, it is the day of his rule and reigning upon this earth. And after he has destroyed Satan and his armies, he's going to set up and rule and reign. And I'm telling you what, you ain't never seen fruit grow and alfalfa grow and things in the millennial reign. And Jesus Christ is going to make the milk and the honey flow. Amen. Amen. And we're going to be with him ruling and reigning here on Thousand Year. Read your Bible. Amen. Amen. Well, anyway, let's go to Amos chapter five. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. Go to verse number 19. And if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him or went to the house and leaned on his wall and a serpent, but you know what he's saying? You can't get away from him. Yeah. 
Verse number 20, shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and over brightness in it. I'm telling you, by the way, did you know what's going to happen at the very end of the tribulation before Jesus comes back? Total darkness. God's going to shut the lights off. Sun won't shine, moon won't shine, stars won't shine. He won't shut the power off of America and the whole world will be gnawing. The Bible said they'll gnaw their tongues. It'll be so dark. And then all of a sudden there's going to be a light and Jesus is coming out of the east. And he'll destroy them with the brightness of his coming. That's what your Bible says. Well, anyway, I know I'm doing a sorry job of getting this across, but we're having a good time. Obadiah, verse number 15. Obadiah, verse number 15. These are all the prophets from Obadiah, verse number 15. You guys are doing a great job, and I want you to know how much I appreciate it. I don't want to do it without you. I guess I just preach and go. Obadiah, verse number 15. Anybody got that? Thank you. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall... You see, reason what you're doing. I've given you all the Old Testament scriptures on the day of the Lord. Zephan- Zephaniah chapter 1, verse number 7. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse number 7. I'm just going to wait because you'll be there before I can turn. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God for the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord is prepared to sacrifice. He hath bid his guest. Go to verse number four, uh, 14, if you will. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly in the voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty men shall cry there bitterly. The, that day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble, a distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick, thick darkness, a day of trumpet, alarm against the fenced cities, against the high towers. And he continues there on with it. Let's go to Zechariah. I want to try to get moving on here because we're, time is going fast. Uh, by the way, I will finish this tonight, hopefully slow down, but I've got to get to all these scriptures out because I don't want you to think I'm talking. I can get up here and say this stuff, but you need to see it in the Bible. Zechariah chapter 12, or was it, did I get, did I get Zephaniah? Give me Zechariah, guys, if you can. Working on it. Just try to stay ahead of me if you don't mind because I just want people to see these scriptures. It's just like nobody's talking about them. In that day, I'll make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all the people. All that burden themselves with it should be cut in pieces, and though all the people of the earth should be gathered against it. Now, let's go down to verse number four. In that day, saith the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment and his rider with madness, and I will open my eyes upon the house of Judah, will smite every horse of the people of blindness. And the governors of Judah shall say in their heart, The inhabitants of Judah shall be my strength, and the Lord of hosts their God. And he continues there on about this day of the Lord. I want you to go to chapter 13 and verse number one. In that day, there should be a fountain open to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. This is, this is moving into this time right here when Israel's going to be converted to Jesus Christ. He's going to cleanse the nation of Israel and restore them. Go to 14, Zechariah chapter 14. Watch this. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. Watch this. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. The city shall be taken, the house is rifled, and women ravished, and half the city shall go forth in the captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut on the day. Watch, keep going, guys. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and the valley of the west. There shall be a very great valley, half the mountain removed to the north toward the south. Before we go further, let me just tell you what happened. On October 7th, when Hamas went in there, they did exactly what that Bible just told you. There was, a, there was a short-term prophecy, and that was in A.D. 70, but none of, none of the rest of that happened. Now, you listen to me. If that's not telling you something, the day of the Lord is at hand. Verse number five, and, he, and ye shall flee the mountains. That's talking about going down to Petra, which is there. We looked at that earlier today. Go on up there, guys, if you don't care. 
to verse number two now. Uh, we're just going to go ahead because it, go to go to thirteen one. Or I already got that done. Okay, I want you to go to Malachi chapter three, verse number two. We're getting right to it. Look at this verse. This is the last book in the Old Testament, last prophet that speaks of it. But who may abide the day of his coming? Now listen to me. The prophets in the Old Testament did not see the church age, and the Bible tells you in the New Testament they didn't see it. Right. It was a mystery hid. Amen. All right. What were these Old Testament prophets? Now Malachi is about right in here. Yeah. What was he seeing? He was seeing this right here. Yeah. Who may abide the day of his coming? And uh, now I want us to go. We've got a few minutes here. I want to try to cut it down. Once you go to uh, Psalms chapter 2, if you don't care, boys. And I know we've hit a lot of ground. <clears throat> man, oh man. I wish I wasn't so scatterbrained. The book of Psalms matches, watch this. The book of Psalms matches the millennial reign. It's about the king and the kingdom. The book of Psalms opens up in chapter 2. Look what it says. Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? That's what's going on in America right now. We're imagining that God is going to punish us for the sins of this nation. Right. You, we're imagining that God won't keep his word. Look at verse 2. The kings of the earth set themselves. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. That's Christ saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Watch verse 4. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak to them in his wrath and vex them in his sword and displeasure. Watch verse 6. Yet have I set my king upon the holy hill of Zion. You want to read some more about the king being put back in, in Jerusalem? You can do it in Psalms 24, but just, just study the word king and kingdom through the book of Psalms. Now, I want us guys to go, if you'll turn that page over there, the next page. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians. We're going to do this real fast. Let me tell you why I'm just going to stop and say something. It's difficult for me to do this. You know why? Generally speaking, Americans have no interest in this. Yeah. A lot of churches have no interest in this. And many of you do. And I'm thankful you do. And the reason they don't have any interest, they don't want to hear about it. Yeah. All they want to hear about is that little Jesus they've carved out that's supposed to be good to them and he's supposed to jump every time they pull the rope. They don't want to hear about this Jesus. Now, we're going to go into the New Testament, and we're going to start looking at this day of. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. So that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, subject, who also shall confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless, watch this, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You've got the New Testament. What did I tell you earlier? Switches at times, not all the time, to the day of Christ. Who's he talking to here when he switches? The church. Amen. Come on. That's right. Yep. All right. Again, the day of Christ begins right after the Antichrist is revealed and it runs actually into eternity. If y'all know the truth, it never stops. Amen. That's honest truth. That you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let's go to uh, 5 5, 1 Corinthians 5 5. 
to deliver such one. He's talking about the guy that committed fornication in church, you know, and wouldn't do anything about it. See, so deliver such one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved when? In the day of the Lord Jesus. Okay. Uh, let's go to uh, Philippians 1.6. Philippians 1.6. Being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work and will you perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What's God telling you? I'm going to take you through. And by the way, he's also telling you this. You don't need to be afraid or troubled or shaken up about the day of Christ. Amen. You're saved. Amen. That's the message here. Amen. That's why he says comfort one another with these words. Great. Don't be shaken up. Don't be troubled. Yeah. Okay, we'll go to Philippians 1.10. Philippians 1.10. 1.10. There you go. Back down, please. Back down one more. Philippians 1.10. There you go. That you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till what? The day of Christ. All right. Go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 15. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom shines lights in the world. And uh, verse number 16, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice when in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Notice how God deals about this time period differently toward the saved people than he does the lost people. And I just want to tell you something. The gospel means good news. You got saved. It's good news. Jesus died for you, was buried, take away your sins, rose and dead, give you eternal life, delivered you from the wrath to come. And I want to tell you something. I want you to go in your truck today. If you're saved, I want you to just rest in the Lord and say, God, I'm not going to worry about everything I'm seeing on the news. I'm not going to be all shaken up. I'm not going to get all boogered up. You got it in control. Yeah. You got it. That's right. God's got it. You can knock it down. Okay, let's go to first, Second Thessalonians 5.10. 2 Thessalonians 5.10. That's back where we were earlier there. Second, I'm sorry. 2 Thessalonians 1, 5 through 10. 2 Thessalonians 1, 5 through 10. Which is a manifest token, the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you suffer, seeing his righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you that are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe in that day, this day of of the Lord. We looked at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 through 12 earlier and um, then we looked look at Acts chapter 2. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to say a little bit about this and let you out. Matthew chapter 24 verse number 27. And Matthew chapter 24 is a great passage of scripture about end time events. Alright? This here is the giving of Christ of the second coming of Christ. This right here where he comes back to the earth. All right. And in Matthew chapter 24, it goes back and forth like this. It's like rehearsing and, we're going, and we rehearse like that. But he's going to tell you, as the lightning cometh out of the east. Remember a while ago I said the light's going to be shut off? Here it is. As the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall also the sun, coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, watch this, shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, the powers of heaven be shaken. 
Watch verse 30. Then shall appear the Son of Man in the heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now that's when he's coming back here after the tribulation period. And it tells you that immediately after the tribulation. And he shall send his angel with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect. That's Israel. Amen. From the four corners of the, of, uh, from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Then he talks about the fig tree. There's three trees in the Bible, olive, fig, and vine. And the vine is called a fig, it's called a vine tree in the Bible. And Israel is a picture of all three of those during history. I don't have time to go there this morning, but they're a picture of that. And there were those trees picture Israel down through time. Okay, now, we're going to deal with a little bit here. Let's go to, uh, uh, just, just give you something to go home and study about. If you go through Matthew chapter 20 and follow the sequence on it, there's a passage of Scripture that says the two should be in bed and one should be taken the other left, right? Yeah. Everybody says that's rapture talk. It is not. No. That's kingdom talk. Yeah. When Jesus comes back, defeats all the armies, of, he's going to gather people together and the tares are going to be cast out of the kingdom. That's who's going out. To understand that, you have to go back to the book of, uh, of Genesis with Noah. Yeah. The same verbiage is talked about to those people. It was talked about to people that were not in the ark. Yeah. And it's not a rapture. And here's why I tell you that. Because if that's rapture talk, then the rapture happens at the end of the tribulation. Yeah. Go to it. I, I want you to get this. Rep, uh, Matthew chapter 24. I don't want anybody feeling sorry for me because I'm not feeling sorry for myself. Amen. But I won't, I won't lie to you. I'm having a hard time preaching this morning. Okay? I got a lot of things spurring on me and I'm in a huge subject here and my mom is down there and I'm just, I don't know, I'm just kind of buzzed today and I, I hope you just have a little understanding. I hope my attitude is good. I, I don't want it to be bad or cocky or arrogant or mean or nothing like that. I don't want that. We just looked at Matthew 24, verse 27 through 31. Chapter, verse 32 going up through there talks about uh, the fig tree and the verse number 37 it says but as the days of Noah were so also shall be the coming of the Son of Man be. That's talking about his second coming. For in the days that were before the flood they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Watch this. And knew not until the flood came and did what? Took them all away. So also shall be the coming of the Son of Man be. This is the second coming of Christ to the earth. Then two shall be in the field, one shall be taken, the other left. That is not rapture discussion. That is before he sets his kingdom up, he is taking Christ rejectors, the lost people out of that kingdom. They're going to hell, I tell you. And the ones that will be left are those who through the, now let's, let's go back and get those are the ones who were saved during the tribulation. All right, now let's get something. I get this. In your Bible, what were these people saved? They were not the church. They're called Old Testament saints. They believed in the Messiah, that He would come, place their faith in Him, and God saved them. Yeah. Okay? They were saved. But they're Old Testament saints. They're not part of the church. And don't make them part of the church. They're not. Church-age saints, you and I, are not tribulation saints. There's going to be multitudes of people saved in the tribulation period. But those are tribulation saints, and they're not part of the church. Better get that. If you don't, you'll just get some mixed up. You, 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 if you start putting all these people into the church, you'll lose yourself. Same, let me give you another one. 
Never, ever, whatever you do, put the church in Israel time and twist them up together. They're separate in the Bible. You've got to keep them separate. The moment that you do not keep Israel separate from the church, your theology will go like a jungle. Because you, you'll, you'll start applying this to that and that to that. And it don't, it's like putting a puzzle together. It won't fit. So you have Old Testament saints, church age saints, tribulation saints who lost their lives for the cause of Christ. By the way, I'll give you another one. The church tells us that the church age saints will never be overcome. That's the, but they, they will be overcome. Tells you that. Then you have kingdom saints. Now let's just throw a little bit in here. There are going to be people alive on this earth who are going to go through the tribulation and they're going to be on this side. They're going to go into the kingdom. Yeah. You and I will come back with God and we'll rule and reign with Him. Yeah. During this thousand year reign, there's going to be people born. These are, there's going to be mortal people and people with glorified bodies on this earth. Yeah. Now, I know you think I'm being wild this morning, but that's your Bible, okay? It's just the Bible. Yeah. And they're going to reproduce and there are going to be a lot of people born. Satan is going to be bound in the bottomless pit. And he's going to rule with the rod of iron. Why would anybody have to rule with the rod of iron? Because there's rebellion. Where's the rebellion? It's in people. Let me tell you something. You know what people do? They blame the devil. They blame the devil for their sin. God's going to show you the devil is not the reason for your sin. You have a sin nature within you. That's why you got, if that was a problem, God just take the devil and get rid of you. No, the problem's right in here. He binds Satan a thousand years looses him as quick as he's loosed. You know what Satan will do? He'll lead a rebellion against God Almighty of those people, some of those people that re rejected Jesus Christ. They're, they're like a child who hates his mom and dad, but he's still at home, so he's going to be good enough to keep eating. Yep. That's his attitude toward God. I'll be good because I'll, I'll be I have to be. And that rebellion comes, and the God fire will come down to heaven. That'll be a short-lived rebellion. It's re that's Revelation chapter 20. So we've covered a lot of ground this morning. Uh, it's 12.06. But I hope that you've got this down there to help you. The day of Christ and the day of the Lord is the same time period and it does not start till the man of sin has been revealed. Big issue, the day of Christ is not the rapture. We just got through reading all those verses on the day of Christ and not one of them is a rapture verse. This is how people are being fooled into thinking that they're going to go through the tribulation period. And I don't want you people thinking that. Last thing. There's a big difference between the wrath of God and the wrath of man. What Hamas did to the people of Israel today is, is the super wrath of man. It's terrible. I don't know how many of you know, but they took live babies and put them in kitchen ovens. And turned the oven on in front of their mom and dads. I don't know how many of you know that. That's a fact. This stuff's going to eventually all come out. It's starting to come out. One of the problems is people around the world are kind of like, well, you know, that's no big deal. Another thing, you're going to see a lot of videos out here about what the Israelis done in the past to the, to the Palestinians. You better know your history. You know, I'm going to give you something about this deal. In 1948, in the War of Independence, when Israel declared itself a state, Five to seven Arab nations, 300 million Arabs said, we will drive them into the sea and kill every one of them. We're not, we're not sharing no land with them. Yeah. Now you listen to me carefully. The people that were living in what is known as Palestine now, the Arab people, were told by every king in those Muslim countries, 
you get out, go south to Gaza, go down in the, the Sinai Peninsula, and we're going to kill all the Jews, and then you can come back and you can have all their land and stuff. They did it. Yeah. Are you listening? Yeah. What you know is Gaza refugee camps and stuff. Do you know how those people got there? Amen. They were told by their Muslim brothers to go there. And whenever they Muslims lost the war and it didn't turn out like they told them, these Palestinians are down here in these concentrated areas. And you know what the Jews said? Number one, it's our land to start with. Number two, you left. And you wanted us to be killed, every man, woman, and child, and driven into the sea. We're not giving it back to you. Yeah. So then, the whole world, United Nations, clamored for the Muslim countries to say, well, you told them to get out of there and leave. Why don't you take them all as refuge? Uh-uh. We're going to use them as pawns. And that's what's been going on for the last, ever since 1948. Those people have been used by pawns by both the, by the Muslims as an excuse to try to kill Jewish people. The Jews have offered over and over and over again to let them have, they offered them a state there, they offered them everything. They, they reject it every time. Do you know why? Because they do not want coexistence with the Jews. They want the Jews dead. That's right. And now Hezbollah and the leaders in Iran are saying, we have come to a crossover point. We not only want all Jews dead, but we want all Americans dead. That's, that happened this week. He made a declaration that they would take us down. So when you hear this stuff about, oh, the poor refugees and the Palestinians down and stuff, you've got to go back in history and find out why are they there to start with. And so don't, you, I'm telling you, the Muslims right now are putting out some of the slickest videos you've ever seen in your life. I mean, if you didn't know the truth, you'd believe it. They, they got all this, quote, documentation and testimonies from people. And, oh, it's, it's wild. And they're making a massive effort to shift the American public's mind away from Israel to, to, to Islam. Yep. Yep. And you know what they know? They know that in the 1960s, we took God out of our, our educational systems and our children don't know nothing about God Almighty. That's right. And so they walk in those universities and those professors just lie to them like a dog and they sit there like little guppies and just swallow it. Yep. Now, I'm going to tell you the difference between me and some college professor. You check everything I'm preaching against the Word of God. If I'm wrong, I apologize to you. I don't want you to believe something just because I said it. But I tell you, we're living in serious times. Serious times. But we're in exciting times. I hope you're saved. If you're not saved, you ought to get saved today. Let's stand together. Got to let you out of here.